United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. A new administration may mean a change of policy for Central America, or will it? Anyway, we want to get some perspective on that and the state of things, including a new leadership in at least one of the countries we're going to be discussing, Venezuela, Colombia, and Bolivia. Joining us on POTUS is Keith Mines, who is Latin America Director at the United States Institute of Peace, tweeting at USIP and is with us now. Keith Mines, welcome. Thanks for being on POTUS today. Great. It's great to be here. Thank you. Thank you for your service, by the way. I note that you have, uh, you have worn the uniform, too. I have, yeah. It's uh, it's a special day for all of us. Uh, I, I did have the uh, the honor to serve in the army uh, back in the '80s, and uh, then served in a number of war zones as a diplomat and saw the service of our young men and women across the world. Uh, it's really been noteworthy. I remember coming upon a, an ambush at one point in Iraq, and and just seeing the the steady determination of the soldiers and noting to my family back home that we were in the midst of a new greatest generation, that they had everything that we could have asked of of them. They did, and and they did it well. Well said. Let's talk about Venezuela for a moment. I know we want to talk also about Colombia and Bolivia, but to Venezuela, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Nicolas Maduro was one of those world leaders who was not quick to, or maybe even has not yet, congratulated Joe Biden. Our relationship with that country has had its ups and downs where are we now, and do you see anything changing if the new administration takes over, if that is a priority or not? Well, Venezuela is, uh, is coming up in a very intense uh, period of, of political change, and, and I would characterize it as a, a period of opportunity. They're having National Assembly elections on December 6th. They will seat a new National Assembly in January. Uh, the opposition, meanwhile, is running a consultation prior to that National Assembly election where they're trying to galvanize some of their support. They were watching our elections very closely. Um, they, I think they do see that there could be an opportunity now uh, with a change of administration for a new direction uh, in the relationship and in the, 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 the course that, that, that that relationship has on uh, peacemaking or on the possibility of a solution inside Venezuela. Whatever happened to uh, Juan Guaido? Well, Juan Guaido is still the, the interim president uh, of Venezuela, as recognized by 60 or so countries. Um, he's, uh, his side will run this uh, consultation prior to the, the election, which they're not participating in. Um, but, it, but it is going to be a, a period for a couple of months of, of sorting uh, of the political actors. And by the end of January, there will be a, a bit of a new political map. So there will be some opportunities. Uh, I think, uh, for peacemaking in, in Venezuela. There's a lot of challenges associated with all this, but the sides are really exhausted. They've had been, been through this grind of the humanitarian crisis. Uh, they are looking for a way forward, and um, they seem to be coming around to understanding that the current all-or-nothing framework, which is what they've they basically framed the conflict in for the last 20 years, where one side only wins if the other side is eliminated, that appears to be waning on both sides, and there's a more realistic framework of coexistence that's emerging. So one could see a situation in which a new U.S. administration uh, lined up behind a negotiated end of the crisis, and the parties were able to create a space for talks that allowed them for this kind of coexistence that the date has been, has been lacking. But it's going to take intense focus by the international community, which is frankly getting a little fatigued by the crisis, increasingly distracted, 
Uh, and it's going to take a real shift in the posture of the parties in Venezuela that opens up a space for a solution. It's not something that can be imposed from the outside, but outsiders can be helpful. What can you tell us about Bolivia? They just inaugurated a new president on Sunday, correct? Yeah, there was some good news out of Bolivia. Um, many of us were on pins and needles watching how the recent election would play out. <clears throat> in the end, it, it overcame the intense polarization that that country has experienced and ended peacefully. So Luis Arce, uh, leftist um, uh, leader, was sworn in on Sunday, the first time Bolivia has had a peaceful transition of power since 2002. Uh, the election pitted... Uh, in, in Arce, it was kind of a moderate version of President, ex-President Abel Morales, and he was pitted against the continuation of the right-leaning interim government that many Bolivians, frankly, just thought was disrespectful of the, the, the indigenous majority and a bit chaotic. So there's a window of opportunity now for Bolivia to emerge from the, the paralyzing polarization that's defined it over the past years. Um, to date, Arce has shown all the initial signs that he'll seek to emerge from Morales' shadow uh, and bring Bolivia a new era of technocratic and moderate leadership. Morales, for his part, still a factor. He returned to Bolivia with a bit of drama on Monday, uh, but he now has the opportunity to rebrand himself amidst a series of scandals and build on uh, his initial calls for national unity. So a lot in play, but so far, good news, and I think uh, Bolivia watchers were, were quite pleased with how it's, uh, how it's gone. Can't hurt that he got 55% of the vote, like, you know, almost 2 million more than I think his closest competitor. Yeah, it was it was a clear victory. And I mean, the way we read it is that it was a, a victory uh, on the one hand for, you know, that that side of the political map uh, that, that the indigenous majority really felt was more respectful of their history, their culture, but also uh, just a, a call for moderation and stability. It, it was just not, you know, not wanting more of the drama that has been defining Bolivia with the, the, the shift, the mood swings that's gone on for the past couple of years, a more moderate, more steady uh, kind of administration. That was clearly the, the, uh, the message that was being sent. And so hopefully, again, both sides hear that and they realize that it's not, you know, it's not uh, a country where they're, they're able to go in and, and try to eliminate the other side, but rather to find that place of coexistence between the, the left-leaning uh, now president, but also the, the right-leaning business community and, and the other factors uh, in the country. Keith Mines with us, Latin America Director at the United States Institute of Peace. What pathway is Colombia on right now? Every once in a while you think they're going in the right direction and then something seems to pull them aside. Where, where is it? Well, Colombia is, is hitting, has hit a real rough patch. It is one of the hardest-hit uh, countries for COVID in the hemisphere, and, uh, and really kind of going through a rough patch now politically as well. Um, again, I would define that uh, as a period of intense polarization. So the, the added stress of COVID just put everyone on edge, and it comes out in politics and sort of more extreme positions. So government opponents uh, are supporting a, a revocation referendum against President Duque. And meanwhile, his party is simultaneously preparing a competing referendum to disband the Transitional Justice Tribunal that was a key part of the 2016 FARC peace agreement. So all of this comes at a time when former guerrillas have actually embraced the truth-telling process more than ever, even accepting responsibility for high-profile atrocities and political assassinations. So a period of intense social and political stress amidst declining resources, strains on the peace process that finally ended uh, Colombia's long-running civil war. So a real, a real uh, tense period uh, coming up.
Keith, uh, just a general sense of things. One of the great and terrible things simultaneously about our presidential elections is that typically foreign policy gets short shrift unless there are troops in place or whatever. But in the case of countries like the ones we're discussing, uh, Bolivia, Venezuela, and uh, and and also um, uh, Colombia. Colombia, Venezuela, and Bolivia, it's just you don't hear much about it. And in a way, it's good because there's no rhetoric that's thrown out by the candidates, one or the other, about what is happening. Uh, But I wonder what an incoming Biden administration would be looking for and what these leaders might be looking for and what kind of relationship the U.S. might have. Opportunities, I guess, is one of the words I would like to hear about in terms of our policy to Central America. Yeah, and Central America is uh, one of the places that that uh, the president-elect Biden has commented on and has has um, shown a real commitment to. Uh, there's such a, a, a basket of, of issues that come up through Central America. There's there's international crime and criminality. There's immigration. There's the instability that is reverberating uh, through Mexico and all the way up to our border. So there's things in Central America that need to be addressed that. The president-elect has identified early on require attention. So that will be one place that will be a place of of intense attention. It will be looking more at the roots of the problems in Central America, less so trying to just stop them at our border, uh, which has kind of been our traditional approach over the past uh, 40 years. So it'll be going back to the kinds of policies that Ronald Reagan, for example, uh, had towards Central America and the Caribbean back in the 80s, really trying to to uh, to assist the societies uh, to to have a better uh, economic framework, a better political situation at home, so that uh, their citizens are more comfortable staying uh, staying put rather than uh, getting on the road trying to come up to the United States. So that'll be the immediate the immediate one. Obviously, Mexico always uh, an, an initial very uh, in, uh, important partner on on a whole range of things from trade to immigration uh, to uh, international issues. So that'll be another one, a very clear uh, early focus. But these, these other countries further south and in, in the Andes, uh, Colombia, Venezuela, Bolivia, are ones that, you know, many of them, the things will be handled through our normal diplomatic relations. Um, Venezuela will take a, a heavier lift. It will take uh, some effort, but not necessarily a uh, large amount of resources. So it's not something that uh, in a resource cash-strapped environment that we would not be able to do, but it would take some diplomatic heavy lifting, assembling the international community and getting behind a uh, a negotiation that could lead to the kind of coexistence, again, that has eluded the Venezuelans up until now. And Colombia also one that that is hard to avoid given what we've invested uh, in Colombia to date with Plan Colombia and the other range of uh, programs that we've done to try to help uh, consolidate uh, lead to a peace process and then consolidate the peace afterwards and, and the narcotics issue that continues to bedevil both countries. So there will be, again, some um, new emphasis, I think, on Colombia as a partner in, in trying to get through this rough patch that they are going through. You you would wonder, and I was thinking about Brazil also. I know it's not part of our conversation when Mr. Bolsonaro had not congratulated Joe Biden either. But on the other hand, uh, with the infection of COVID, not just there, but all the other countries you just mentioned, if nothing else, an opportunity for the U.S. to offer research or other assistance that would be appreciated by countries that are struggling. I mean, we're having our own problems, too. But mm-hmm. if there, if it's more of a cooperative effort, I wonder if that would be helpful. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I, I would imagine there will be once we get the, the vaccine, of course, there will be 
uh, an international component to that as well. But COVID really has hit the hemisphere hard, harder than any region in the world. Uh, weak public health sectors and then the large number of people that work in the informal economy has just led to uh, these really high COVID rates and then, and then you know, lockdowns and, and all the rest that comes with that. So now we're seeing um, the reverberations of food insecurity across the hemisphere and some countries really getting hit hard, but 235 million Latin Americans predicted to be living in poverty by the end of the year, a figure that we haven't seen for 15 years and food insecurity increasing from 3.5 million to 14 million by the end of 2020. So food insecurity really hitting hard. Again, some countries like Venezuela, even worse than than others in Brazil, Brazil um, uh, also getting hit hard enough. So all these issues of, of COVID, they, they wrap up into trade relations and, um, and the question of the vaccine, how we work internationally with the hemisphere uh, when, when there is a vaccine that, uh, that can be deployed. Um, but it will, it will take a, a real effort uh, collectively and hopefully galvanizing around a handful of solutions uh, that, that strengthens rather than weakens uh, hemispheric unity. Keith, we've gone a little long, but I appreciate the time. Thanks for being with us on POTUS today. Thank you. Great to be here. Keith Mines, Latin America Director at the United States Institute of Peace, Thoughts of the U.S. Relationship, those countries we're mentioning, Venezuela, Colombia, Bolivia, and it just touched on Brazil and Central America as well. It's, as he mentioned, a problem in this hemisphere, that is coronavirus, but there are some other issues too, and our relationship with those uh, neighbors is, is key. Anyway, he is tweeting at USIP. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.